My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to the Trail Running Ireland podcast episode number one. Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Trail Running Ireland. It's been a very hard few weeks and in the world of sport our favourite events have practically all been cancelled. But sport will return and the trails and mountains of Ireland are waiting for us and very soon we'll be back out hopefully running and racing. And well, this is what this new podcast is all about. It's a podcast for the trail and mountain running family in Ireland and abroad. We want to help increase participation levels in our sport, trail running and mountain running. We want to help you, the listener, become an even better trail and mountain runner and share that wonderful community spirit we have on the trails. Let's have lots of fun along the way as we keep you up to date with all the latest trail and mountain running news from home and abroad as we tell you the fascinating stories of Ireland's trail and mountain runners along with some very special international guests. Get your running gear ready, let's go. Hey everybody, thanks a million for tuning in. We hope you liked the start of the show with the music of Basic Needs. And I can tell you, it might have only been 60 to 70 seconds worth of audio, but that was about three or four hours of production just to get that far. As we learn what it's like to produce a podcast, but you know what, we're having lots of fun along the way. And I suppose this is a great example of some of the wonderful positivity that's been out there over the last couple of weeks as we get through these tough, difficult times and we've all seen in the running community whether it's on the roads on the mountains on the trails some of the great initiatives some of the great ideas that have been out there to keep us all going as we as we're all in our holding pattern before we can start racing again but guys we hope to be here long term as well it's an exciting new project for us it's been a super couple of years for trail and mountain running in Ireland with some top quality races out there the Imra races have grown superb as well the Leinster Leagues on a Wednesday night their races at the weekends as well down in Munster too great great numbers coming out to the trails and mountains all around the country so we want to be there for that journey as it continues over the next couple of years and whatever we can do to help we will do our very very best to do so a big thank you to our race sponsor Eco Trail in Bray County Wicklow they had a fantastic first event there last year and as of the moment we still have green light for EcoTrail 2020. On September 26th this year, you will have the opportunity to run 18K, 29K, 45K, or if you're feeling brave, the big one, 80K, through the amazing trails of County Wicklow. So stick it in your calendar, and it's a perfect goal to help maybe get through the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, as we wait to get out of lockdown and get back training hard and enjoying the racing scene. As we said at the start of the show, we hope to keep you up to date with what's going on in the racing world. We want to help you grow as a trail runner, mountain runner, help you get stronger and faster. So we'll have Rene Borg along later on as well with some excellent coaching tips. And every week we'll have our special feature interview as well as we tell you the stories of the heroes of mountain and trail running in Ireland, as well as hopefully the people behind the scenes who make all of these races possible. 
along with some very interesting international stories as well. So without further ado, let's go and have a chat with Rory. Rory is an international mountain runner as well, an all-round good guy with a family that is steeped in mountain running tradition. So let's see what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. Welcome to the Trail Running Ireland podcast. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Alan. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure, Rory. And what we're hoping to do in this segment, Rory, I think, is um, keep people up to date with what's been going on back home in Ireland, in the races all around the country. Let them know what races are coming up and any other big news that are going that's going on. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, Rory, come here. How's your own training going, first of all, over the last couple of weeks? Hanging in there? Sure, we're hanging in there, doing the best we can within this 2K lockdown, you know, getting sick to the teeth of doing laps at a local park, but I hear it's better than what's happening for you over in Spain. Oh, Rory, I mean, over here, it's actually been, it's been illegal to run outside for the last five weeks. If, if I was to go outside to run, put on my runners, put on a pair of shorts, if the Guardia Seville were to see me, I'd be hit with at least a 500 euro fine. So it's been um, the bike and my roof for the last month or so, and I've probably got another three or four weeks of it um, to go still. So I mean, anytime I, I see photographs of all you guys back home in the 2K loop, I have to admit, I am so jealous. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. Ah, sure. We can't complain. Yeah, I feel like we're better off than some people are. So just try and keep healthy, you know, yourself. Sure. Are you doing any hard sessions, Rory, or are you just ticking over? Yeah, I guess trying to keep it mixed up. It's pretty tough to motivate yourself to go out on your own and do a hard session on your own. But um, yeah, try my best to do bits and pieces um, and try and keep the, the shape a little bit sharp anyway, because you never know when the races will start up again. Yeah, absolutely. And later on in the podcast, we have Rene Bohr coming on as well. Rene is a superb coach. He knows the mountains really, really well too. And Rene is going to give us some tips and advice on how to get through this lockdown. But Rory, come here. Before we were forced into lockdown, um, what races were going on? What were the last couple of race results on the mountains? Yeah, cool. So I think I might just start with the, the IMRA fixtures. Um, I mean, spring is usually quite a quiet time for Imra anyway, early spring. But you have a couple of the classic, gritty, often quite rough weather condition Imra races. So the last race actually before everything kind of um, everything kind of happened was the Hoth Winter Race, which is a bit of a classic. I'm not sure if you run it yourself, Owen. No, I haven't done it. Who took the win? So this year, really great. We had Kate Cronin taking the win. So first place female was first place overall, which is always fantastic to see. Wow. And in second place, fantastic. we had Killian Mooney. Okay, yeah, two super runners. Um, Kate was over in Argentina and Patagonia with me as part of the Irish mountain running team. She did a great race over there. She, she's had a great winter and I'm sure she's uh, looking forward to hopefully the summer racing season as well. And Killian, I mean, she's, Killian was an Irish cross-country international um, on the junior team, I think, um, a couple of years ago. So Killian's top class, pure quality. Yeah, two fantastic athletes there. Yeah, we can maybe move on. There's a couple of other Immer races, you know. We have the True Percent Immer race, which is a race directed by my own dad. Uh, and Killing, we had Killian on the podium there again. And well, we also had the Tick Knock Immer, so a couple of the classic Immer's. Sure. Well, what was that, Rory, that you said? Did you say that your own dad is a race director? Yeah, so my dad race directs the True Percent Immer. Um, he's, I think he's been doing that for two or, two or three years now. So it's a bit of wow. crack, you know, to have it in the family. 
Fantastic. Well, I remember I met your dad at the um, finish line of the Eco Trail, and I was telling the listeners earlier on that you were the winner of the 29K, and your, your dad was a top man. So a big shout out to, to Mr. Long. <laughs> Thanks very much. Anything else, Rory? Yeah, so maybe, I guess, kind of uh, one of the more interesting races of the early spring was the Schlie-Gailtoch Buskari, with the half and the ultra. And it was actually in some really bad conditions due to Storm Dennis, but the race went ahead. Wow. Uh, the, the ultra is a 71.5k, over 2,000 metres of vert, and that was won by Jason Webb and Lilian van Dijk. And, wow, okay. And then in the half, we had Becky Quinn and John Kinsler taking the wins, and also in some really bad conditions, according to the race reports. So... Big congrats all around there to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anything else before we move on to the new virtual races? Yeah, probably the last race that I'll talk about is the, the Gale Force Skyrun 22K, which is the first race in the new UK and Ireland Skyrunning series. And um, we have Finley Wild from Scotland coming over to take the win. And he's a fantastic runner with a really big pedigree in style running. So it was really cool to see him coming over to, uh, to race and win something here in Ireland. Yeah, okay. It's such a pity, wasn't it, isn't it, that the that the lockdown has come into place because just as the the spring summer races were beginning to really kick off, as you said, all those international athletes coming over to mix it up with our best as well. So uh, I can't wait for the race in Canada to open up again soon. Um, but I heard there's been a couple of virtual races over the last couple of days. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it was a real bit of crack there. Um, on just on the Wednesday past which was the 15th of April, we had the virtual relay charity race. And um, so the first Immer race kind of this time of year, we usually have this charity relay on Kalani Hill, but it was brought over to be a virtual race this year. So we've had, we had three runners randomly allocated into teams. You have to go out on your own within the 2K and run uh, a 2K as fast as you could. And then the total times of the team was combined into a wow, result. Fantastic. Okay, yeah. How did it go? Did, did it have many people running? Yeah, so there was actually... There was, I think, um, there was a good number of runners. Almost like, was it 40 teams? I'm trying to see here, but it was it was really great. Really great turnout. Wow, great to see. Great to see so many people still out training, getting involved, and I suppose it's a great reflection, isn't it, on the on the family and community spirit back home in the, in the mountain running world? Yeah, I think it really reflects how kind of passionate the community are. Um, yeah. and it was the first team was actually team eight which was pat foley lorraine doyle and martin cullen which is well fantastic yeah. yeah yeah i i attempted yourself rory to, to go into any of the virtual races so i actually ran it on wednesday there and uh, i finished fifth on leg one i ran six minutes 30 seconds for the 2k which isn't isn't terrible it's all right getting around anyway yeah no no fair play um, and is there any more coming up over the next week or two I think there's been some talk about having the progressive length if this keeps going on. So, you know, going four kilometers next week, six kilometers the week after. So by my dad's reckoning, it means we'll be running a marathon by the time it comes to September. So we better hope this comes to a close soon. Sure, sure. No, listen, no, good, good, good to hear. It's great to see the people, you know, enjoying themselves and uh, still being able to compete. I mean, there's been a couple of similar races going on all around Europe. Um, I know here in Spain, some of the guys have been doing ridiculous distances on their treadmills at home. Um, I saw the South African um, trail running professional runner, Ryan Sandes. 
I think he did something like 1,500 laps of his house and covered just over 100 miles over 26 hours. Um, not my cup of tea, Rory, but listen, <laughs> fair play to Ryan. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some um, similar challenges from, from somebody back home as well. I'm sure somebody is uh, thinking or, you know, uh, uh, trying to come up with something similar. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something over the coming weeks. Yeah, there's been some really crazy stuff going on in quarantine. The only other thing I'd mention would be the 50k record on the treadmill. Uh, set by a Swiss runner re- just for the past few days. So that's been pretty crazy as well. Wow, 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 wow. Incredible. Um, I, I must admit, Rory, that uh, the, the treadmill running and so on, um, uh, it's just not, not my cup of tea. I mean, what, what I love about running is getting out on the trails, on the mountains, um, just getting in touch with nature. And for me, that's the, maybe the most enjoyable thing. And, you know, a, a couple of times over the years, I've been on treadmills, but just oh, just constantly looking at the seconds, looking at the minutes going by, and um, just nothing compared to being out on, on a trail, whether it's at home, and um, whether it's you know abroad in Europe, anywhere at all, you just can't beat it. I totally agree with their own. Can't wait to get that out, back out. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Rory, um, really, really thanks for giving us the results over the last couple of weeks. Before you go... Um, was there any races due to happen over the next week or two that have been cancelled, that have been postponed? Yes, indeed. So we're kind of getting into the what would have been the busy start of the big Imre calendar. Um, the first Leinster League Hill race would have been next Wednesday, the 22nd of April. That's usually Brayhead. That's always a great race. Um, and actually, tomorrow would have been the Wicklow Glacier Lakes, which is this really cool um a little race in Wicklow, and that would have been tomorrow, but unfortunately that's also been postponed. I guess you'll have to keep updated for people who want to know when races are going to happen, just on on the Immer website, on the forum, that they'll probably tell you as things happen in terms of the rescheduling of races. Um, but, you know, there's plenty going on, hopefully now over the summer months, and once things clear up, I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to get back out on the trails. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw the Waterfall Trail Running Festival for the start of May was unfortunately cancelled as well. Um, I know Simon, Simon Kelly, the race director. And just to say, I thought his communication in terms of the cancellation of the race was exceptional. Um, He outlined... Why it was cancelled? Well, we, we, we know the reasons why, but he just he he was very clear in terms of the options available to the runners. They could get their defer their race entry until next year. He also was very clear, I thought, in his um, refund system as well. And because there was a lot of controversy around Europe with some of the big races being cancelled here in Spain as well, that some race directors they were cancelling races and keeping a lot of the, the race entry um, fees for themselves as well, without explaining why. So I just thought the way that Simon did it was showed a lot of integrity. And um, he, the race was postponed until next year, put off until next year. So it really, really sad to see. And there'll be lots of other races, I'm sure, over the summer as well that will be forced to be cancelled. Um, but I know Simon has something up his sleeve for that weekend in, in May. So stay tuned for that. But well, listen, Rory, thanks to Neil for joining us on episode one. Um, keep up the great training. Keep up those, those super results in the virtual races. And we'll see you very soon in episode two. Thanks so much, Owen. See you soon. All the best, mate. Take care.
My name's Sarah McCormack. My name is Brian Fury. My name is Nicola Duncan. My name is Zach Hanna. My name is Mark Ryan. I'm a mountain runner. 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 Hi, my name is Harriet and I'm a mountain runner. You're listening to Trail Running Ireland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. voices that you just heard there were members of the Irish International Mountain and Trail Running Team. They've been great ambassadors for the sport over the last couple of years, doing their very best on the trails and mountains all over Europe and Ireland. And well, that's what one of the goals of this podcast is. It's to help people achieve their dreams like myself and all the team members of the Irish team have been doing over the last couple of years representing Ireland. It certainly has been my dream since I started mountain running and we want to help you guys fulfill your dreams whether it's making an Irish team or whether it's getting to the finish line in whatever race you choose over the next couple of months. To do that we thought that we would bring on board one of Ireland's most qualified and best trail and mountain running coaches Rene Borg. Rene is a UK educated fell and mountain running coach. He works professionally as a running coach and a trail running guide as well as a race director. So as our common friend Barry Murray often says he has got his skin in the game. If you want to get in touch with Rene and ask him any advice about trail or mountain running you can give him a shout at runningcoach.ie where he works from his full-time business Running Coach Ireland. So let's go over and have a chat with Rene. Rene, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Owen. I am really glad to be here. Rene, how has it been going for you as a coach and your portfolio of athletes? I'm sure it's been a tough couple of weeks. Yeah, it was a very strange situation because obviously, you know, the, the situation as it was affected pretty much anyone with any kind of livelihood. Um, but what I think was unique for the people in the professional running coaching community was that you know most of our clients work towards race goals you know it's the vast majority and suddenly either all of those goals were just gone um, or all of the goals in the foreseeable future were gone you know and the only ones left on the table were the really long-term goals uh, in autumn but even they are kind of shrouded with a bit of uncertainty at the moment so you know because my job like anyone else's job is to try and provide value to people and help them achieve those goals suddenly you sit there thinking to yourself are they all going to leave me now you know what 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 are we going to do you know because these runners they no longer have any specific goal to train for they don't know what the future is going to bring perhaps you know for for a lot of people there's the whole financial insecurity element as well um sure. you know so i had to try and sit there and figure out um you know what 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 do we do now and I know the conversation today, Owen, we we wanted to talk about the situation that we're in, um, where normally when we have this segment, we are going to talk about trail running training more specifically. Uh, So I think in a way, this this first podcast is a bit unique in that way. Um, But the first thing for me was to to try and see, well, we don't know necessarily when the next race is going to be, so I'm going to give them something else to target. And the further you're away usually from a race, the more general the training you decide to do, you know, the best time to work on your weaknesses and on the, whatever people call it, you know, foundation base and so on is, is early in training. So you can see if you go on the era forum, or if you go on Strava or you know, any number of Facebook groups that that's the kind of general gist of the advice is, you know, 
try and just go back into base, focus on the, you know, at, which is generally, you know, traditionally when people say base, they think it means slow training. Um, and 90% that's kind of true. You know, that that is the usually a running base, but it can mean a bit more than that as well, because for each person, you know, we have different weaknesses that are holding us back, you know, knowingly or unknowingly. So we tend to kind of ignore them because if you have a race coming up in six to eight weeks, that there isn't much point, you know, you have to work with the abilities that you have right now, you know, you need to learn to use what you've got. You can't be spending the long, you can't take the long view really, but we have that opportunity now in the middle of this. Sure. And how have the athletes that you've been working with, Remy, how have they adapted to that over the last couple of weeks? Because I'm sure most of them, and certainly in Ireland anyway, have been restricted to a 2K radius. Are they struggling with it? Have they adapted to it okay? I've really had two kinds of athletes, Owen. Um, I won't lie. So there were a few who simply said, you know, can we pause this process? Because I just don't feel comfortable going out running, I live in a densely populated area, you know, so I, I want to to just hold off for a while and we'll pick it up when, you know, the world returns to normal. Um, but for most of them, what I presented was I said, look, if I look at, you know, what I understand of your fitness, and this is obviously something I've learned over a while working with these people, I think this is an area of weakness. So for instance, just give you one example, I might see from certain tests that we do that a person is limited by, you know, what scientists would call the VO2 max, which is just, you know, the speed you can run at when you're taking in all the oxygen that that you can possibly take in as a as a person. So yeah. I might I might be able to see a kink in the armor like that. So to give people some focus, I would put a time trial at the start of this period, and we would see how they perform. It would confirm, you know, our hypothesis, if you want, that they have this weakness, and then I would give them a schedule. Say for the next four to six weeks, we're going to bring that test down. And if we can tick that box, you know, we've achieved something. We've improved a clearly defined weakness. And at the same time, you know, time trials in a way replace the focus on, on a race. You know, it's not as exciting, obviously, as a race. But again, if you look around on various message boards, you can see there's a lot of coaches, both professional and amateur. This was one of the first things that they, they pulled out of the bag was let's put a few time trials in as a carrot in front of our team and then they have something to shoot for do you think Remy, as well that we have a responsibility as a running community just to keep calm for a few weeks to to go into a holding pattern what i mean by that is that if we are doing those types of time trials or even virtual races or even going out and continuing with our five by two Ks or our 60 minute tempo runs in the nearest park that we can get to, that our heart rate is going, still going up through the roof. We're hitting 170, we're hitting 180. But do we have maybe a, a community responsibility, a social responsibility to make sure that our immune systems are strong? and that we have our shields up, that we keep coronavirus away, that we help not spread it. And so where I'm going is that if we're continuing to, to train hard, to do our sessions, to do our virtual races, to do our time trials, our immune system is dropping, and you can go into this maybe, and it's dropping for a certain period of time, and we're more exposed to the virus. Is there a risk there at all with continuing to train hard? Yeah, I think we spoke about it a bit before the podcast, Owen. Like it's it's a really important question right now. And um, they, if we just look at the science of it before we go into the, the rest, is the window that people tend to have 
the most negative immune response from a workout is five hours. Um, but obviously it always depends on the you, how much does the workout stress you. So we're not talking about, you know, s- short strides at high speed. We're not necessarily talking about a very easy uh, run that is a little bit longer. It, it has to be enough that, you know, you can feel it significantly stressed for you. And then it does lower your immune system activity for a window of about five hours. Um, but there's a number of things you can do to it reduce that response so a, a classical thing is if you've done a hard interval session which is probably one of the things that suppress your immune system the most you know so that, that might be the first thing you'd want to take away during a time like this um, you can get your immune system back up quicker if for instance you have a really good meal afterwards you know full of carbs mm-hmm. and nutrients if you supplement with you know things like vitamin c and other antioxidants you know all these things will they'll actually shorten what they call this window of opportunity where a lot of athletes, even in normal times, you know, will get the infections that they get. But in terms of social responsibility, you know, it's, it's a difficult decision to make. Um, I think a main consideration is the, the population density that you live in, first of all, um, for the workout. I think that's going to have a big bearing on whether it's the right or the wrong decision. And of course, you need to know yourself, you know, because it's very you, what one man's poison, you know, is one is another man's uh, magic potion, we could say. So did, how you need to know how stress affects you. If you ask me just personally, I would probably try and put the load at a level where I feel the running is contributing positively to my health and mental well-being. And it's not running me down physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a great take-home message there, Rene, from what you were saying is to avoid going down to the local so, local supermarket in the five hours after you do your hard training session if you still want to go out and uh, knock out a, a tough Saturday morning tempo run or what have you. Um, Rene, another thing that we spoke about as well was just realigning our race objectives. And I think that's so important. Um, I mean, to, to keep training day in and day out, I think we all need objectives. Um, I know one thing that I'm trying to do over the last couple of weeks as I'm stuck here in my house in Las Palmas for the last five weeks and I'm up on the roof every day doing a bit of bike work is instead of having, say, a race objective of one month away, two months away, two months away, I've set, I've set it out to October. October 5th, it's the trial race for the Irish World Championship team. And literally every morning when I get up, I'm using that as my motivator to go out and train that day. So literally taking it day by day with October in mind. Would you agree with that methodology of it's still okay to have a race objective, but maybe just to lengthen out the horizon for those objectives? Yeah, well, now when you put it like that, Owen, it actually, in a way, it solves a problem that most coaches will tell you they have with the runners that they work with, which is that traditionally base phases, if you go back in time, especially 40, 50 years, base phases were really long because people understood that to build the basic building blocks of fitness actually takes time. You know, so just give an example, the whole aerobic machinery that people will hear a lot about. The things that need to happen inside the body with that sort of training takes at least 12 weeks. You know, that's at least three months. Um, And some coaches will tell you it's better to work at it for six months. But how many of us have the patience? You know, usually when people come to me, they have races that are much closer than that. And that means we need to make some compromises. But now we have this strange situation, which is negative, but there is an opportunity to be found in it. You know, like we we were saying this as well in our little pre-chat, that 
you know, in every negative, there's a positive. And one of the, the skills that certainly champions have and most high performers in life have is they can see those opportunities. And I think you, you did that, you know, by, you know, you could say you were lucky that your goal is further away, you know, so it's, it's more likely that it will occur. But certainly if you're a runner sitting right now and all your summer goals are gone, you know, look to the next ones, you know, the ones that are further away and say, well, normally I feel a bit rushed training into that season but now I actually have a chance to really meticulously prepare my body uh, without having to maybe you know be very aggressive with the way I build up or always being in a rush to clear this and that niggle you know that there's an opportunity here to to really build a base that's better than you've had before and you can build them at least at a time of year when the weather is very favorable for running you know unless you don't like heat yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well listen, Rennie, that, that's great. And I mean, we're, we're about 11 or 12 minutes in now um, f- for our first um, communication. That's been fantastic. In, in summary, Rennie, maybe I think the key take home messages from today is that it's OK to still be training hard, but just do be aware to keep your nutrition good and just be aware of those four or five hours post your hard training session that your immune system will be a little bit more vulnerable and that it's okay to set out our race objectives a little bit longer maybe than they would be and to take advantage of the two three months now to help develop our aerobic systems yeah i think you summarized that nearly perfectly and the only thing i would add just because of the way you you phrased the last sentence is maybe have some training goals on the short and medium term, because I do know it's difficult to sometimes keep the the level of passion and intensity if you're very goal driven for something that is, you know, six or 12 months away. So in those cases, you might need with your coach or with yourself to have some, you know, whether it's time trials or it's just some kind of other achievement within your training, you know, that you can keep there to keep, keep that carrot within sight if you want. Okay. Well, listen, Renny, thanks a million for your input today. If anybody would like any more information um, from Rene, or he has some he's some great written articles over the last couple of years as well, you can check out Rene's work on runningcoach.ie. Rene, we really look forward to hooking up next time, and good luck indeed with your own training over the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Owen. Nice to talk to you. Talk to you next week. All the best. for the final part of this week's show our feature interview when I was thinking during the week about who we would like to have on our very first episode who our feature interviewee should be I asked a lot of friends and a lot of great great names came back and one name kept on coming back all the time Ian Keat. He is the trail running elder statesman. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that of the country. He Ian is over 50 years of age now but year after year he has been getting stronger and stronger continuing to achieve wonderful results on the trails on the mountains and he has multiple records across ultra distances from 24 hours on the track to 48 hours road running, 6 day running as well 
well. He was the winner of the Spine Race, the UK's toughest ultra race back in 2016. And he had some incredible results, which I'm sure he's going to tell us all about in the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc race series as well. He knows all the trails and mountains around Dublin, Wicklow and all over the country like the back of his hand. So what better person to have as our first interviewee on the Trail Running Ireland podcast than Irish record holder, Irish international, Ian Keat. Ian, you're very, very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Very nice to be talking to you again and really lovely to hear that. Yeah, no, there's a lot of respect out there for Ian and uh, no doubt when you decide to write your book and tell us all your secrets, you're going to have lots of people queuing up. Ian, oh, that book could take a while to write. <laughs> Ian, to start things off, um, first of all, you know, how are you and how have you adapted your training over the last couple of weeks while we've all been in this horrible lockdown? Um, I'm actually pretty good uh, and I've adapted pretty well. Um, as you know, we have our, our 2K limit uh, in Ireland and um, I and it's no accident that I live at the foot of Tree Rock, so that's quite an advantage as a trail runner that uh, I have Tree Rock within my uh, bounds. So I could do still do a huge amount of trailing on Tree Rock itself, and this trail is left, right, and center up there, uh, which is great from my point of view. So obviously I can't do my normal long runs down into the middle of Wicklow, which I'd, I'd usually do at weekends. Instead, I'm more confined but that's pretty much all that's changed and my, my road runs which i do for speed work are are loops of local roads rather than uh, longer out and back routes uh, the other thing i've done is to try and keep things as uh, as close to normal as possible so uh i would normally commute by bike to work so now i get up in the morning and instead of commuting my bike to work i'm working from home so i go out into uh, my shed where i have a bike set up in a turbo trainer and i yeah. turbo train for my morning commute then do my day's work from home uh go for a run in the evening and then i uh, do my evening commute home in the shed again <laughs> so if anything i'm actually working harder because um the working on the turbo trainer is considerably harder than uh the real life commute because there's no traffic lights to take a break and there's no coasting downhill either so i think if anything i'm actually uh losing a bit of weight and getting fitter sure. <laughs> sure sure i mean it sounds like one of the keys is just to try and keep to our usual routines as much as we can i think so i think it's very useful to have those anchors those routines and it was actually in the first day or two of the lockdown when i was out doing creating local loops within the 2k uh that the idea popped into my head to that I would do those commutes as well to keep, you know, just a regular timetable or close yeah. to it and yeah. just keep, you know, what the normal life as normal as possible, uh, yeah. which is great. You know, it's a good target to have. Yeah. I mean, it's times like this in where like, I'm very grateful that I'm a runner. And a lot of the the running, say, characteristics that we have of perseverance, getting through hard sessions, whether it's a it's for you maybe a I don't know a seven or eight hour hard run through the Wicklow Mountains. For me, it might be a eight by one k. Those type of things they're helping me get through like the the severe lockdown here in Spain. I'm on day yeah. thirty three here, and 
from my running background, I've literally taken it kilometer by kilometer, mile by mile. I'm on day by day. Uh, have you found similar feelings to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I actually think the run, running is is massively good for your mental health. And it's noticeable around here, the amount of people who seem to be taking up running. And even uh, on Tree Rock, I see, you know, family groups out and all kinds of people. And in the early days before the two kilometre limit came in, it was noticeable the amount of people who were taking to the hills, literally and starting to explore them as a, as a form of leisure. And I thought, well, something really good could come out of this over the long term if people uh, start to appreciate the outdoors and appreciate the hills maybe maybe having found it they'll, they'll stick with it uh, it's unfortunate that the 2k limits will have locked out a lot of people from that but hopefully they you know people will have figured out that there's more to life than uh, just going to the pub or going to the cinema or whatever that there's yeah. this rich bounty here which is just there to be used uh, but yeah the resilience definitely comes into it in, in my own case the ability uh uh, another thing, uh, two big ones, I'll say, actually. One is uh, the uh, ability to follow rules and to work within parameters. Because the day, the night that the lockdown came in, it was kind of depressing to hear we're going to be stuck in a 2K rule. But it's like something, it's like a race rule, is the way I'm treating it. You know, you do races and you, say, you have to stick to the route. Uh, you know, and I just, okay, this is the race rule for the next however long. And once I kind of, thought of it that way I was adapted to it very quickly because I spent my, my half my life racing within rules and this is just another rule to be to be you know used as a parameter in life so pretty straightforward yeah, the, the, uh, the discipline absolutely helps I think doesn't yeah. it and, and as you said if we can you know bring some new members of the general public into the world of of trails and running and uh, if they're starting up exercises as a result of the lockdown where as you said um, some positives to take from it i know my own mom is has her daily exercise routine now right, she does and, right. and beforehand yeah. maybe she wouldn't have done that so yeah absolutely it, it, it's it's a great it's a reflection plus. i think on on the irish um, population in general that everybody's been pulling together Another thing I would have picked up from from sports uh, and from longer distance racing is uh, uh, what I call a rule that I use, particularly when I'm in a navigational race. And someone is, you know, if I've made a mistake and we're we're not where we should have been, uh, there it's a very simple rule: is we are where we are. Uh, it doesn't matter how we got here. You just have to take your optimal route to where you want to go, and yeah. that's a great. That's a, an absolutely brilliant rule for racing, but it's also a brilliant rule for life, you know, because you are where you are. It doesn't matter how we got here. Uh, you just, you know, do the optimal within the constraints you have. Uh, and it's, a, you know, there's no point in worrying about how you got here. Just, sure. you, know, you, can, you can only go forward. You're here. We're here, here in the here and now. Just move forward in the optimal way. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe just to, to get to that finish line, that it will exactly. come. It will come, it will come. Work through it mile by mile. And um, maybe, I suppose, the, the, the issue for a lot of people now is we don't know we don't know exactly when that finish line will come, but we do know that it will come. We and do. that's why just to, to stay the course, as you've done, I'm sure, in dozens yeah. and dozens of races over the years. And that's it, exactly. Yeah, you just, you know, do the, do the best you can and enjoy it as much as you can. Again, yeah, something yeah. you learn from racing. Yeah. 
Correctly to life, you know. Yeah. Well, listen, speaking of races, and we were talking to Rene earlier on in the show about just having to change our race targets and our racing calendar. Um, I'm sure your own racing calendar has been totally turned up over the last couple of weeks. Um, what have you refocused on or have you set any new racing targets? I know things are all still a, still a bit up in the air. Um, what, what's hopefully next up for you or what's keeping you going on all those? those double and travel sessions that you're doing at the moment? Um, well, my own racing calendar is totally upset, absolutely. I, there's, uh, I'm not anticipating uh, getting much racing in this year, but we'll just see what happens. Um, if there was no racing for the rest of the year, so be it. Um, but it's not all about racing. You know, I, I, I enjoy the outdoors for its own sake. And I enjoy being up in the hills for own sake. And I've always considered it a privilege to to be in the hills, enjoying them. And just, you know, if ever I'm uh, starting to feel like everything's a bit of a drudge or whatever, I, I kind of knock myself out of it and look around and realize, you know, how magnificent it is to be to be up here in the mountains. Uh, looking around in this wonderful outside and there's a huge amount of science supporting how good this is for you both for your mental and physical health so um, I, I definitely try and embrace that um, yeah. and that's definitely that's enough to keep me going in itself I mean I look forward after a day sitting in front of the computer I very much uh, look forward to getting out in the evening bursting out in the evening and into the outside and breathing in the fresh air and you know, getting in the exercise, it feels great. Even sitting on the turbo trainer feels relatively good, but actually being outside, it, I mean, it's great to embrace it now. You know, and it's particularly like the weather's getting better and feeling the sun on the skin. I just love that. Uh, yeah, so it, it sounds like, I mean, the actual race day is is just a bonus for you that it's the journey, it's the process that you enjoy the most. Yeah, I mean, the race day adds an awful lot because I'm, I'm a very competitive person, so I love the racing aspect. But if I wasn't enjoying the training, I don't think I could do it. Um, you know, and every now, what often happens in my life is uh, picking up an injury, usually a, a biking injury because I get very few running injuries. So it's usually a broken bone due to biking or something. Uh, and uh, if you're out for six weeks having fallen off the bike and broken a collarbone or whatever, uh, you come back with this huge appreciation. And every time that happens, I try and tap in and remember that appreciation of, you know, actually being able to do this. So, and it keeps me alive for even the, the training bits I, I dread starting. And there are bits of training I dread starting. You know, I, I dread starting my speed work sessions. But once I start them, I'm, I'm fine in the way. Same if, uh, oh, you know, if I open the front door and it's lashing rain, Oh, you just don't want to go out. But once you're out, it's fine. You know, it's sure, sure. <laughs> you start to well, embrace and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that you're a very competitive person, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you today was, where did that competitive nature come from? Because I'm sure you won't mind me telling the listeners that you're over fifty now. Yeah. But you seem to be as competitive as ever. And I mean, for anybody that's listening, that's in their 40s, in their 50s and 60s and beyond, you're a great example of somebody that, you know, seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And as I said, you had the finish line in Oman that night, um, like a fine wine. Um, <laughs> has that competitive edge been there from the very start? 
I think it has, and I think it's it's. Uh, I think in my case, it's part of who I am. Uh, that competitiveness. Uh, I was a hill walker before I was a runner, uh, and definitely the one thing that was missing from my hill walking life was that competitive edge. And I would I would sort of sneak it in by trying to be first up the hill or. You know, when I was a mountaineer, uh, I, my mountaineering partner, myself, so I, I, we were peak baggers, which is kind of competitive in itself. You know, we <laughs> always trying to knock off the, the peaks, uh, whereas yeah. other people get other things out of it. We were kind of box ticking with targets, etc., which is as close to competitive as you get, really. Uh, so, yeah, I think I've always had it. And uh, trail running certainly allows you to, to, utilize that and drive it in a very healthy direction you know uh, sure. without getting without getting over competitive which you see in some other sports where you know i also think it would be uh, absolutely hilarious if you had that whole boxing uh you know i'm gonna take you down <laughs> kind of no, thing going sure. on the start of hill running would be hilarious because it's such the opposite of that you know everyone coming in and being all friendly and nice and genuinely so you know <laughs> and, and it, has it been has it been a planned career and um, for example when you started off was your goal to run for ireland to break national uh, records to to win a big international trail race and um, or, or did it just organically kind of grow season by season year by year it definitely evolved but uh, I, I actually hit a few of those targets relatively early in my my running career. I mean, I was always ambitious about it. Uh, my first running race was actually the Dublin City Marathon back in 1998, and uh, I, I had always suspected that I had good endurance. Uh, but I was I was never a good runner in school because all the the races in school are sprints when I was growing up. And all the sports in school were sprint related. So a good race for me in school was coming second last. So, uh, <laughs> but mostly I was last because I was still a terrible sprinter. Certainly yeah. was as a kid. Uh, so the marathon, that marathon was my first real uh, go at actually uh, trying to put that competitiveness into place where I suspected I might have some talent. So I targeted the sub three hour marathon and, and ran it in 2.57. Uh, and that's when I realized, okay, I might have some talent here. And from there it was a matter of, you know, organic growth, I suppose. Uh, it was, I think it must be within about four years that I had my first Irish vest as an ultra runner, uh, running the annual Celtic Plate 100K. But uh, it was relatively straightforward. wasn't as difficult to get an ultra running vest in those days because you could fit all the Irish ultra running crew into a telephone box back then. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was still a great thing to put on an Irish vest for the first time, absolutely. And uh, a huge sense of achievement. Um, and yeah, it's it just I, to this day, I still want to to run for Ireland. I still going to every race, wanting to to do the best I possibly can, you know. If I, if I can't win the race, I'll be targeting something, you know, whatever it sure. is. <laughs> sure. Well, I, we'll mention UTMB maybe a bit later on, but I think in the actual UTMB in Chamonix this year, were you the second Irish person home? In, I think right? I was, yeah. Just, yeah, just, just behind Paddy O'Leary. Just behind and, and closer to Paddy than I would have anticipated being, which yeah, I was very happy really with. 
yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, it, plus, it, it, I got on my my real target for the UTMB was my age group podium, and the fact that I had to work hard for that and, and hit it was the that was the big achievement for that one. Paddy was kind of a, a secondary nice to have. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But as you mentioned, UTMB, tell the listeners what your target was last season. Um, And I'll let you tell the listeners how it ended maybe as well, because it's it's a lovely success story. Yeah, so um, I wanted something to mark the fact that I was... I turned 50 and rather than running away and hiding from it, I was going to embrace that fact. So uh, one of the advantages of turning 50 is you get into a new age group category. So uh, I was looking around for something appropriate to target and uh, I I figured out why not try and do all the UTMB franchise races uh, in the world and uh, try and get an age group podium for each one of them. So there was three of them and first up was I was only thinking of today, this time last year, pretty much, uh, was uh, the UTMB in Ushuaia, which is the southern tip of South America, the southernmost town in the the world. And uh, that was an amazing race. Uh, First time it's been put on. Uh, Turned out to be a really wild and beautiful course. We got the first winter storm of the year, so... It was about six or seven kilometers of it where the Argentinian army were out on the course, marking it all out with tape because uh, the trail had disappeared beneath uh, a foot or two of snow. Uh, uh, plus, uh, when you were down low, it was a mud fest then, which was uh, great for the Irish because <laughs> we know how to do it. But uh, and uh, so in the end, I ended up getting a second. Uh, over 50 and 8 overall in that race which is a, a great result from my point of view and set me up for uh, race number 1 of uh, hitting my target race number 2 then was uh, what I reckoned would be the hardest to actually get the podium was the UTMB itself in Chamonix and uh, I came in and it was my my 7th go at uh, UTMB and uh, the previous 3 had DNF'd well, the first 3 had finished which is an odd record so it was the main UTMB race itself the most competitive which uh, I'd always go for the most competitive long race usually uh, and uh, so very deep field uh, there's maybe 200 elites or so or something like that uh, sure. it's plen- like the Olympic Scene, it is it is it is, it is the by far the toughest uh, field out there it's the, yeah. the one race you're guaranteed that pretty much every elite runner will turn up yeah. to and, and, and it's I mean, great if there's anybody if there's anybody listening in because i know there's a lot of say people that are coming from marathon backgrounds in the road that are coming to the trails for the first time over the last year or two and they might not actually realize what the utmb is but as we were saying it's the olympic games of of trail running um, 50,000 people descend on this yeah. beautiful French town every summer in, in Chamonix um, over 100 different countries represented and as you said the very best of the best from all around yeah. the world are there so I mean if anybody's listening and is looking for a long term goal in trail running and mountain running UTMB is it isn't it? Yeah, it's a great it's a great experience just to be part of it. Um, and standing on the start line is electric. Uh, very much helped by your own voice and presence there as well. But uh, it, I to it, it, it is. To work at it. Yeah. But that start line is just amazing. Of, of any race I've ever done, it's got the best 
uh, start line experience. And I, I, I'm very calm on the start line, but uh, the UTMB, I could usually stay calm until about 30 seconds to go. And then the music kicks in and I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> the emotions will be flying out of me then. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an amazing experience just to, no matter where you are in the field, it's just to be part of it. It's something else. Uh, well, and, I remember uh, seeing you, you know, at the start line um, last summer and you are probably the most calm runner there amongst yeah. the... The couple of run, hundred runners who had come, you know, a couple of hours beforehand to get a good position and to see all the famous kind of celebrity superstar runners come in. And um, you were the most calm person there. And if I remember rightly, I think you had an umbrella up. I even did. Though it wasn't raining. Is that right? Well, it was raining for a while. Yeah, my sister-in-law had an umbrella. And even, it started the raining. The sun rays coming it. down as well. And yeah. just, just uh, applying all, all the wisdom you, you, you've collected over the years. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Just sit there calmly and just take it all in and enjoy it. Uh, that, was, that was my attitude, and yeah. that's exactly what I was doing. And you got the result in the end. Yeah, so I, I, uh, it was quite a ding dong, and I, I clung on for for third in my age group, and I had a hell of a race in the last uh, last leg or two to make it into the top fifty as well, which is a great result given the number of um, elites in that field. You know, I didn't think I'd get that high up in the field. Uh, given I wasn't, I wasn't even in the elite list. And there was a couple of hundred in the elite list, so to get top fifty is uh, was a good result in itself. But definitely to get top three and hit my target of the age group podium, that was that was super. And again, it was super experience standing on the the age group podium, getting the the cowbell prize. Man, it's it's so good. It's such a such a great kick. So that that was the the really hard one achieved, and uh, then the third of the UTMB races last year was UTMB Oman, and I'd done the first Oman race uh, the year before, which was a 135k. And the beast really, from the east is what they call it. Yeah, and what a great race! I mean, it's even yeah. more technical than the, the the main UTMB. It's far more technical, in fact. Uh, which I love. Uh, so if you enjoy technical running, it's great. And Oman's an amazing country. And I really enjoyed the whole experience of the first year. So I came back with uh, with the target to, to again. And this uh, this last year, they added um, uh, an extra long version. And me being me, I went for a long version, the 170K, which is uh, roughly 100 miles. Uh, which is similar to the main UTMB race, but uh, much more technical, as I say. So it was going to always oh, going to run longer over time. Yeah. And uh, so I went in same ambitions that I wanted my age group podium. I, in reality, in my head, thought I had a, an excellent chance of winning my age group and might have a chance of getting onto the main podium. Uh, it's because it was going to run long. It's going to suit someone like me who who the longer the race is, the better I perform. And in the end, uh, I just had one of the best races of my life. And uh, we fin- actually won the race overall, which, you know, never mind getting first, by getting on my age group podium, I was, I was top of all podiums. So <laughs> that was just... <laughs> if I remember rightly, you're actually, I think, where you ranked third going into the race on the intra-elite yes. intra- point system. Um, That's right. And I know you enjoy trying to hunt down race number um, two and race number one, whoever it is, yeah. wearing those race bibs. 
Exactly, I keep three and four behind, which is, as I say, you know, if I'm not racing to win, I'm racing for something, and that's one of my other little side projects in a race like that, where the bib numbers uh, reflect the ranking points, would be to at least try and match my rank number, and, uh, you know, sure. and preferably beat it, uh, which well, well, it was I, I, sim similar at, uh, at Ushuaia, actually, I did the same thing there, except you know, I beat it by one or two positions, but, uh, uh, you know, it was even better again because, you know, you, you can't beat winning. You know? <laughs> That's just a yeah. top well, I, I remember being at the finish line in um, that night and for a lot of the race, the, the young local Omani athlete was in the lead. Yeah. And the local race organizers and the local media were so excited because it, to have an Omani winning um, a big international race, it, it would have converted, um, I forget the guy's name now, it would have converted him into a national superstar. Um, yeah. A name in Cochrane type, Sonia Sullivan's right. winning That's moment, right. you know. So everybody was glued to the race tracking systems and the media were, were getting ready. Um, but then, of course, there was an Irishman in the middle of these Omani <laughs> mountains that was going to spoil. The, the local party and myself was there of course there was a couple of other Irish runners there and um, Helen your wife was there too it, it was right. great excitement and Joe Rafferty and um, race director as well from from Dublin too Irish. yeah so, um, so when you did get to the finish line I think the poor O'Manis were heartbroken but needless to say everybody who was tuning back home tuning in back home on social media all of us there it, it was a special special moment uh, well, it really was a special moment for me as well. I was so delighted that that Hella was on the finish line because I thought I was it took me so long. I would presume she'd have got gone back to the hotel to rest, but no, she hung around and you were there. And uh, oh, it's just great, you know, having having a few special sure, people around. Sure. Well. And yeah. I was really bracing because I knew, you know, from a couple of kilometers back that I was locked in and there was no way I was going to be beaten. So I, I was revving myself up for it as well to really, you know, absolutely soak it all in and enjoy it as much as I could because this was such an unexpected surprise to win a UTMB franchise race is something else. So I've been saying to people afterwards, if I had any common sense that things to do would be to retire at the finish James Hunt style, but of course... Yeah. <laughs> but what that no, you don't get into the these races by having common sense, you know. <laughs> well, it brings me on to the next question. After achieving that and getting on the podiums of those UTMB races, even winning one of them, where do you go from here? What's driving you now for next season once we get out of this coronavirus? Um, what are your plans going forward? Um, I, I'm not going to even mention the word retirement because I, I know just that that's probably just doesn't even enter your thought, or does it? No, it doesn't. Doesn't at all. No, because yeah. the reality is I've missed it all too much. You know, it's yeah. part of my life now, and uh, yeah, I just uh, there's no way I, I would deliberately retire. Um, <laughs> the only way I'm retiring is if I get medically retired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always something out there. There's so many races and there's so much to see and do. And there's so many countries you could potentially go to. Well, hopefully we'll be able to travel as much as we used to. Um, but and there's so many classic races that are still out there to be done. I mean, I still have an entry for later in the year for Big's Backyard Ultra, which is uh, another classic little race that I was I hope to get to. If I don't get to it this year, I will be getting there. 
you know, I'd like to go back to the Barkley and give that another go. And there's just so many races out there. There's, there's, you know, I'd love to do a race in China. I'd love to do, uh, you know, there's a couple of UTMB races out in China, so one of them. There's, there's, there's always something, you know. There's, there's some big classic races that I've yet to do, like the the Comrades is a classic ultra I've yet to do. Uh, so just to see and take part in those races in itself. Plus, yeah. there's the races that I love in and of themselves that I keep coming back to. Plus, uh, there's the local scene, like. Uh, the the Imra scene and here in Ireland is is just wonderful to be part of and you know uh, there was a year or two back I didn't do as much Imra races as I normally would and I realised how much I just missed the whole social aspect of of taking part in the Imra races and just being on the local hills for every Wednesday or whatever during the summer for a sure, quick competitive sure. blast you know it, it's it's so much to it yeah. and I totally remember. For, for years and years and years, it really was the anchor of my my summer was getting out every Wednesday to do the Imber races, and it, it's just a, such an enjoyable, brilliant thing to do. And I don't, I don't want to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where would you like to see trail and mountain running go in Ireland over the next couple of years? I mean, you, you mentioned that great escape on a Wednesday night with the Leinster League races in, in Imre. I know them in Munster, they have them as well. Um, yeah. Where do you see it all going in Ireland over the next couple of years? Where would you well, like to see it going, even? Uh, hopefully more and more people come in you know it's uh it's been growing and growing and growing um when i first started in imra which must have been it would have been just after my first marathon race actually so back around the year 2000 or so uh there was generally about 70 people would have turned up on those wednesday races and and these days are more likely to get double that and sometimes yeah. even more which is great you know and and in the longer distance stuff the ultras, uh, when I started, there was really only one in Ireland and you'd get about 20 people in it. And the same race now, the Morris Mullins, which is now organized by IMRA, used to be organized by the aforementioned Morris Mullins himself. Um, it's it's now got, it fills up with 300 runners, which is fantastic to see. So um, hopefully that continues. The other thing that's, that's happening is um, the standard at the top is is getting better and better and there's more and more good runners but at the same time there's room for everyone and long may that continue as well you know across the board we're getting uh runners coming in and taking part as one of the great things about the ember scene is that you know it's very non-elitist you know every every racer is, is equally valid every little battle with it is equally uh uh, watched and enjoyed, you know. I've watched some of the best finishes I've seen have been people battling it out for whatever 140 or 141 or something like that, and just giving their giving it everything to beat the, the person they're racing in, no matter who yeah. it is. It, it, it's a real family, I think, atmosphere, isn't it? On the on the trails in Wicklow, all around the country. And um, I remember speaking to um, Fernando Gonzalez, a friend of mine here in Las Palmas, who helps to run the Transplant Canadia. And he said it wonderfully one day. He said, listen, Owen, I could meet my life enemy from my work environment or from my social life out in the hills. But out in the hills, I will share my bottle of water with him. 
Yeah, and yeah. It, it just captured it um, so well that on the hills we run together as a trail community, as a mountain running community, and the more people we can share that community with. I think respecting the environment, respecting the trails, um, increasing the standards of races over the next coming years, and, and indeed the standard of, of running performance as well, I think the better. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a, a, the ethos in, in trail running tends to be, uh, you, I just haven't seen it better. And I've taken part in a lot of sports. You know, I, I was involved in mountain biking quite a bit and <laughs> there used to be some hilarious faction fighting in mountain biking and you see it in all kinds of any team sports uh yeah. they, they lock horns at each other and you get an awful lot of downsides to it as well but the trail running has no downsides uh, in 20 years in Imra, i've never seen uh so nastiness i have to say we've had plenty yeah, of there's some, good, there's some good people there isn't there yeah, and, and like there's been plenty of discussions over the years, you know, about what's the best way to do this, what way direction should we go. But the discussions are always uh, positive. It's that everyone realizes everyone has got the same end goal. We're all pulling in the same direction just because we disagree about it. Doesn't matter. You know, we're all, and that's great to see. And it's quite rare, you know, sure, it's, it's, sure, sure. In, in Irish sports, Irish sports politics, Irish sports administrators are some of the most uh, brilliantly vicious in the world you know we've had you look at some of the top level uh, sports administrators the amount of irish in it is ridiculous if you look at the lance armstrong story the amount of irish embedded in it is ridiculous you know and yeah. the, <laughs> we, yeah. we took but in hill running, you don't get that vicious side to it that you can get in other sports. Sure. Which is, which is well, I, I, I was going to ask you, just to, as we begin to finish off the interview, um, your own future in the sport, you mentioned that you, that you want to keep on running, keep on competing. Can yeah. you see yourself going into uh, an, an, an administration role within the sport? Um, I was going to ask you, would you like to be a coach within the sport, a team manager? Or, or or am I right in suspecting that you just want to keep on running and competing and leave yeah. all the other stuff for everybody else? Yeah, I would like to, as long as I can be useful as a competitor, I would like to keep competing as long as I can. And I do have my own little heroes for that, you know, where uh, there are people older than me who are still running for Ireland, yeah. uh, irrespective of their age. So, um, yeah, I, I, I intend to keep running competitively for as long as I can but I could see myself certainly taking on administrative roles if there's something useful for me to do and I definitely could see myself doing uh, coaching if uh, if the right people came along and uh, you know I, I felt I had something useful to add to someone you know I, I I would happily give my time to some of the upcoming runners and give them tips uh, as best I can but I'm, I'm not a coach at the moment but I'm happy to help anyone to be, to be honest. Um, You'd be an absolute asset to um, any team or any any athlete um, in out there. Um, in, in to finish off, I'm going to ask the same question to everybody over the next um, couple of episodes and hopefully create a bit of a database of your favourite place in Ireland to train. I can pick a particular trail, actually, which is, sure. um, but it has to be done at the right time of year when it turns from magic turns to magic which is uh across uh the bogs from uh crua to prince william's seat uh there's a trail that goes right along the skyline there and most of the year it's horrific because it's uh i've, I've 
done it on I've done it when it's been covered in frogs because it's so wet and damp sometimes that the puddles are so black and uh, dark that you disappear into it. And if you you if you were on your own, you might never get back out again. But when it gets dry and it dries out and the sun is out, it turns into something magical. It, the views are tremendous. You feel like you're running along top of the world. And when that bog dries out, it's like running on a mattress on top of a mattress on top of a mattress. You just bounce it on. And it's the most wonderful ground to run on. And it's so forgiving as well. You can run it a full whack. It doesn't matter if you trip over it because you just go rebounding back off it perfectly happily. So it's, it's a brilliant trail to run on, but only rarely. So uh, last year, I didn't get to run it at all because I was never happy that it dried out enough. Whereas the year before, I got a couple of weeks running on it non-stop and just loved it it was great yeah oh, i think i'm going to sit down and visualize myself being there <laughs> for the next hour as i'm stuck in my concrete building here oh i do sympathize i really do and, um, and hopefully we all get back out running and enjoying places like that and um, sooner rather than later it, it's been an absolute pleasure and um, i really really enjoyed it thanks very much and, and thanks for supporting the, the very first episode Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Good luck, and hopefully I'll see you soon at maybe a, a UTMB finish line in the not-so-distant future. Wouldn't that be marvellous? All the best, Dean. Take care. Bye. And well, that's a wrap for episode one of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We're going to launch the podcast all this week across all the different social media channels. Help spread the word, guys. And if you have anything that you would like to um, see covered on the show, anybody you would like to see us interview, do let us know. Get in touch through our social media channels. It's been a real pleasure to be with you um, today and indeed over the last couple of days as we spoke to Rory, Rene and of course Ian Keith there at the end as well. A big thank you once again to our show sponsor Eco Trail. Check them out on their social media channels and all going well. We'll be there in Bray Racing at the end of September. Just before we go, some other interesting international news this week was that ITRA, the International Trail Running Association. If you like the custodians of trail running around the world, um, if you don't know who they are, it's worth checking their website out, itra.run. They have a big, massive database of over 160,000 trail runners on it. And you might be surprised to probably find your name there if you've done any of the big trail running races around Ireland or indeed around Europe. And you can go in and check out your points. If you've got over 750 points, you'd be ranked as an elite trail runner. I had a quick look there earlier, and the highest Irish person that I could find was Paddy O'Leary with 850 points. Ian came in with 719, and yours truly just crept into the elite bracket with 770 points. But that can very quickly go down unless I can get out of lockdown here in Spain and get out running again very quickly. Um, but the big news 
news from ITRA was this week that they have a new president, a, an American with a, with a great trail running background, a true lover of trail running. Bob Crowley is his name. I think he's from the East Coast of America. I've heard a couple of his interviews. You can check him out online. And he seems like a really, really good guy to have uh, as president of ITRA and to ho hopefully help guide and grow the trail running sport over the next couple of years. So do check that out, itra.run. Um, a big thank you also to our music, um, our music band, um, Shane O'Mahony from Cork is on drums with the music group Basic Needs. They're the guys that um, have been giving us their songs for the different parts of the show. We hope you enjoyed them. Um, check them out on Spotify as well. A big thank you to Shane and Basic Needs. And guys, we look forward to episode two. We hope to be out again in two weeks' time. So in the meantime, enjoy your training, stay safe, take care, and enjoy your running. Bye-bye.